0: Welcome to this free episode of 10,000 posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. My name is Hussein.
1: My name is Phoebe.
0: Uh and this week we have a really interesting and fun episode uh really like we we've watched a lot of TikToks for this one uh we're going to be describing some of those TikToks because some of them don't have sound so uh that's going to be really fun but we uh to help us through all this we are joined uh by josh bowman who is one of the co who who is a co-host of uh the worst of all possible worlds case studies in the pop culture of a dying empire i hope i got that right josh how's it going
2: yeah that is us uh i'm doing all right got got up bright and early in the morning went across the street got my gigantic cup of coffee i am ready to talk about evangelical christianity and the internet let's do yeah, it
0: next question about america first um yeah go for get, it what's the big gulp equivalent of buying a coffee can you buy a big gulp of coffee in
2: the um same way that you yeah can, i mean 11 like yeah um it's the i don't remember i don't know if They use, if 7-Eleven uses like big gulp sizing, but I do know that there are some gas stations where you can get like the gigantic ass fucking 128 ounce like plastic jug. And then you buy that shit and you can go and you can fill it up at your at your local come and go for like, you know. Three bucks or some <laughs> shit <laughs> because this is
0: the best country in the world, baby. That's great. I, um, so I, I forgot to say, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so in, in the UK, we have somewhat of an equivalent. We have the Sports Direct Big Mug. Um, Ooh. and, uh, I, Phoebe, you, you must have seen the big mugs, right?
1: Of course. Yeah. I've worked in offices. I've seen the big mugs. Like, what do you, what do you take me for? I
0: saw someone, I saw someone go into the prep. Couple of weeks ago, the Pret a Manger. A couple of weeks ago, opposite my office, with a big Sports Direct mug, and they oh, asked, yeah. and they asked the barista, "Can you fill this mug with, uh, with, with, uh, with coffee?" Um, and the barista had to go to his manager to find out whether they were actually allowed to do that <laughs> because it wasn't technically a reusable cup, but it technically wasn't either.
1: Well, you know, the Sports Direct big mug index has been completely undermined. Like once upon a time. You used to be able to you you used to be able to see those you know in in proliferation in mm, every mm. every single office. Now you're lucky to you're lucky to see one.
0: Yeah, now. No, I haven't. I mean, I I have one at my house. I haven't seen, and perhaps because you this is because one. I work. Who owns a...
1: one? That's like owning I a own jet one. ski. You don't know. Where did you get it? Yeah,
0: I did not know where I got it from. Um, it disappeared on my desk one day. I now use it to basically like hold pens. Okay. Uh, true,
1: I mean that's true. They are uh, they are they are, are cathodic. Like they, they are do, really very Like, not like you bar. can't you can't buy one. They do just generate out of out of the air. But like I I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I, having one in your house is that suspicious.
2: Do do the Prets in London have the unlimited all you can drink coffee monthly pass that they have here?
0: I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it's unlimited. They have like the Pret subscription, and I don't. Okay. I, I think the subscription might give you some discounts. I don't know how it works because I don't. Live in a place with abundance of prats, so it wasn't really no. that useful for me. Nobody um, lives anywhere
1: with an abundance of prats. Like that's the that was yeah. whole, that was the whole issue with 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 prats. They're all like around like like kind of office abundant areas. Yeah, I mean,
0: if I if I wanted to go to the nearest one from my house, it would be about a twenty minute drive. Um, which is that's why it was like it wasn't really worth it for me. Um, but I know, like people who did get subscriptions, so like clearly they are kind of using it to a certain capacity, but I don't think you'd ever go unlimited anything, which kind of sucked. Um, what right. I wanted to say was that like, this was the first time that I saw someone drink from a Sports Direct mug. And so while I have seen the mugs before, I have never seen anyone actually drink from it. And I thought that was a notable thing just to, just to start the seen... show off.
1: Wait, so you have one in your house, but you've never seen anyone drink from the sport. This... Yeah, Sorry. because no one drinks. Your negotiation with the Sports Direct mug is different from everybody else's on the planet.
0: No, really? Yes, absolutely. Of course you've I've never from seen them. anyone. I've never seen anyone drink from it. I've seen people hold stuff in it, I've seen people display it. I've never seen anyone drink from it. It's too big. How? How? What do you mean, how?
1: You know what?
2: Yeah, that sounds like a challenge.
1: Yeah, first of all, like easy. You just drink <laughs> from or it. Won't. You just drink from it like you would a normal like you would a normal mug. This is a skills issue.
0: Yeah, okay, fine. All right. Skill issue. Skill issue for me. Um I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of people yelling in via uh, in the comments to be like to say that like I'm probably the only person in this country that has that does not use the mug for its intended purpose. For its intended purpose. Yeah. The episode where Hussein gets good at coffee. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's that's great. Uh, maybe maybe some, maybe maybe for some other time. Maybe maybe on maybe we'll do a bonus tier, which will just be I will drink from the mug. Um, Ooh, yeah. And, Frankly, you know, I think I, if you're
1: willing if you're willing to pay for Hussein to drink from his from his slightly outsized mug, then I think that you've got more money than sense. Um, so. So I will. I will making go that, outside. That what I, you will.
0: I, I will go outside. I will go to the puddle. I will go get puddle water from the puddle and I will drink <laughs> <the floor> <laughs> it. Right, uh, and we will. We'll slap. A fi- we'll slap like fifty bucks on that. Uh, okay. Maybe no, we'll be, talk. We'll to, talk about that. To be clear, we'll this is, this is, this this is
1: just Hussein. I am yeah. not going
0: to be <laughs> <laughs> shot down by the shareholders once again. Um, okay. No, this this week we are talking about uh, how's the best way to describe this evangelical content. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so a bit of like a preface to this, um, this was an idea, Josh, you, uh, you, you proposed to us. I'm really interested in this because for like some of my academic work and some of my like a journalistic work, I, I was like a religion reporter for a long time. I'm really interested personally in the intersection between religious identity and identity formations and yeah, the digital content that is used to sort of like express that or like that comes out of that. Um, a couple of years ago, I was working on a master's dissertation, which like looked at Christian influences in part um, and the ways that they were sort of using, uh, at, well, they were using like Twitter and TikTok as well as like VR tools to sort of promote kind of more digitized forms of like Christian identity and everything. I, and some of the stuff that you sent me really does kind of speak to some of that. But at the same time, um, there's like a broader political context going on around here as far as I can tell. So rather than me try to explain what's going on, I feel like it's best to ask you, as someone who like understands this world and also understands the very American context of a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff, um, could you talk to us about, yeah, this type of evangelical content? Where does it come from? Um, what would you describe as like the evangelical poster spirit? Yeah, well,
2: so first of all, obviously, Thanks so much for having me on. I'm I'm actually really excited to you know get the chance to talk about this shit because it's sort of a weird part of my wheelhouse that we on our podcast talk about evangelical stuff. Sometimes it's it's a piece of what we do more broadly. We're just like looking at culture. Um, The reason that we cover a lot of evangelical stuff is that two of the three of us grew up in an evangelical environment. Mm. Me, of course, being one of those two, Mm -hmm. and um, it it provides a, a framework and a lens that helps explain quite a bit, honestly, when it comes to uh, American culture and just the culture more broadly, because evangelicalism and, and the evangelical way of looking at things is so fundamental to a great part of the American political economy and of course the the, the broader uh, landscape. So with all that said, um. I when uh, Phoebe I think sent along a message. She was like, "Hey, would you like to do something specifically about like evangelicals and weird evangelical stuff online?" I was like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah!" Mm. Um, because one of the things that I like to do when I'm bored is go find weird guys, mm-hmm. which I think is is something that we all enjoy. That's an understandable impulse, yep, right? Absolutely.
1: Mm. That is that is very much one of the hobbies of this show.
2: We do like finding guys. We love a guy. We love a guy. Yeah. We love a guy. Everybody loves a guy. And um, one of the types of guys that I've always been fascinated with is this sort of evangelical Christian influencer, right? Because what they do is they combine the aesthetic of sort of influencer, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, with a really strange form of christian presentation that isn't really so much about the religion as it is the aesthetic of the religion it's Mm. it's this strange thing and and as you were saying as well it's also about sort of the political uh impulse as well so it's all of these different things all combined into one weird world and i find the origin for a lot of this honestly uh all the way back in the reformation like the greatest. Evangelical Christians, I would argue that the evangelical Christian spirit is inseparable from the poster spirit, Mm -hmm. going all the way back to Martin Luther posting those theses up on the church door. You know, he was a poster, and uh, Christians have been sort of posting their way through it ever since. Um, For instance, in terms of other, you know, stuff that we find historical antecedents to the current moment, you've got like Jerry Falwell and the Moral Majority. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're not familiar with them, Jerry Falwell, uh, very much another example of a guy, a uh, televangelist from Lynchburg, Virginia, who built up a massive movement, a massive mailing list uh, in tandem with Pat Robertson, another uh, guy. And the two of them built up something called the moral majority by amassing this massive direct mail list and just sending shit out to that mailing list and being like, hey, are you mad? We're also mad. Let's elect a president about it. And then that's how we got Ronald Reagan, you know, and uh, it's, it's the rhetoric of it has always been so emotional. And so, you know, hijacking your fears and what it is that you want, the sense of like, Oh, the world has been stolen away from us, you know? And um, that line of thought that, that, that sort of persecution complex has always been baked into the way that these evangelicals just see the world. And again, it's, because of what these leaders have have created,
1: that's so, that's so interesting. This this idea of this um, of this mailing list as being a kind of like a kind of proto, like a like a kind of proto forum that they developed yeah, a way of it's kind a sub-stack. of yeah, it's a sub-stack <laughs> a way of kind of building up this abstracted community. And this, like this, for the, the the American right, is not even a new. It's not even a new strategy. This was this was uh, one that was. I think possibly invented by um Phyllis Schlafly mm-hmm. in the 70s who who like what well, 60s 60s and 70s um, who formed like a significant um kind of political pressure block around her anti-feminist newsletter which was again it were it was treated like a kind of like a blogging community like women kind of women sort of shared it around and if like you knew somebody who subscribed to it and you didn't then they'd like lend it to you and let you and let you read it it was this kind of sort of odd like kind of underground library service but one that had like an enormous amount of influence and i think to an extent a certain like in like invisibility of influence as well much like um much like the kind of something something like a kind of mailing list so the people Mm -hmm. so the people who who see it know about it and then it kind of and then it kind of seeps into uh kind of policy that kind of policy making influence and it kind of seeps into the kind of corridors of power and it really just isn't so very different to how up until quite recently uh uh, twitter was operating because even though this is it's a it's very easily discoverable it's a it's a it's a public facing kind of giant network it's actual person for person compared to the populist user base is very very small and yet it's yeah. and yet it's um, interaction with the mechanisms of power and decision making, and what is deemed to be a kind of an important thing, uh, to, important things to kind of have, uh, have as you know, on the like on the public agenda, has been like absolutely outsized, and I think that's I think that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's small, but it's targeted, yeah. right? Like it, it's like a zine. Like the the concerned yes. women for America mailing list was just Phyllis Schlafly's zine, yeah. right? <laughs>
1: And she was a poster. She was. Of course. I don't. I don't. I don't like the lady, but she was a. But she was an absolutely. She was an absolutely excellent poster. Was oh, Schlafly. as as is
2: her son Andy. Uh, mm. Other, you know, if you've ever read anything on Conservapedia, you know that Andy Schlafly has the poster spirit. That guy is.
1: Suffused <laughs> so with it. It's the Christ spirit. It's the Christ spirit. Yeah. Manifesting as posting.
2: Yeah. The as poster as spirit is, yeah the poster spirit is actually just another term for the holy spirit yeah, it's, the, um, it's, that's, the, it's the
1: burning light of
0: christ that's, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. right okay good
1: <laughs> good glad glad well, we got one, that
0: covered one of the things that you mentioned in your notes and before we get on to like the content uh like the tiktok yeah. content and stuff in itself is like sort of like the apparatus in which this kind of religious kind of type of posting takes place um and i think you sort of mentioned it very briefly in the degree of like recognizing uh or like you know jerry the jerry the the full wells and stuff recognizing that like you need uh or term like uh incorporating like a political apparatus in which to effectively spread their messages um you know via another form of posting you have like you know your liberty universities other sorts of like christian universities uh that also uh, also operate as like you know distributive centers uh but also parts of this kind of like this apparatus to sort of spread these messages. Um, I wondered whether you could talk to us a little bit about like the history, like how like in the like pre-social media, um, how, what do these types of institutions uh, sort of represent? If we're talking about like the ways in which these types of evangelical messages are sort of being spread, what types of techniques are like evangelicals using in order to kind of like gain such a prominent foothold in like political and social culture?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, really what you get with all of this stuff and, and still kind of do get with all of this stuff is just a parallel media network. Um, and, and that's the thing, too, that a lot of people don't really know about if they didn't, you know, grow up with it or, you know, come at it from a place of research is how one of the reasons that evangelicals were and and still are able to amass such a considerable devoted following and are able to get the ma- marching orders out so specifically is that they have this gigantic parallel media network that people are totally fucking bought into, right? Mm. Um, in academia, you've got all of these different evangelical colleges and universities, um, which I actually went to one of those. Um, so, like, I the one that I went to was actually, relatively speaking, a real college, a real liberal arts college, but like, The funny thing is in the course of the past decade, decade and a half, the lane for actual Christian liberal arts colleges in the United States has kind of shrunk. And the school that I went to has pretty much just become a freak uh, factory in the way that a lot of Mm -hmm. other places uh, have become, which is which is unfortunate because, you know, the there's a there's room for that or at least there was room for that. But because I think the overall lane has shrunk for like a Christian alternative to whatever else, it, all that's left now is the strict, dogmatic, um, hardcore. Hey, you're going to go here to propagate the message and uh, become a foot soldier for the conservative movement, kind of thing. Mm. Um, so you know, going back to Jerry Falwell, Liberty University. Um, that's, that, that was the, the school that he founded in conjunction with his Thomas Road Baptist church. And if you've ever heard of Liberty University, it's probably because Jerry's son, Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, noted fucking, you know, philanderer cuck fetish guy, um, who liked to watch his wife with a pool boy, uh, was (laughs) in the news not too long ago for that whole situation. Gosh. Um, that man also has the poster spirit, I would say. <laughs> uh, and there's some fantastic videos of him just fucking drunk as a skunk at convocations at Liberty University. Just being like, I, I love Donald Trump, you know. Um, but, you know, it, that whole thing, whether you're talking about the, the universities or um, the, the media apparatus that was set up by organizations like Focus on the Family Uh, which pretty much took over where Jerry Falwell left off after the moral majority kind of fell apart in the late 80s, Focus was able to build this gigantic media empire around uh, children's radio dramas, which we fucking listen to on our podcast, and they're wild as hell, Um, and uh, VHS tapes and uh, media and resources for churches and books. And again, this entire parallel publishing empire That You would never hear of any of these books unless you set foot into a Christian bookstore. But Mm. if you were in it, the consistency of the messaging and the dogmatic approach of the movement keeps you bought into that media ecosystem. Mm. Um, And and that's just how they do this shit.
1: Can you tell us a little Mm. bit more about... um, about how that's kind of how that's shifted over time because there was a because there was a kind of as far as I can tell there was a kind of significant media ecosystem which was not just which was not just around um around newsletters and mailing Mm -hmm. lists there was there's also a there's also a big kind of um a lot of radio stuff as well which obviously kind of um which obviously kind of dovetailed in with um kind of kind of hard, sort of hard right conservative radio um oh god what's that guy's name the guy who i always forget but who had the radio show and was a kind of and who's this kind of like who was until he died this the, this kind of con, sort of conservative kind of power behind the throne no one could upset him but basically nobody who wasn't a listener was aware of like just
2: how powerful he was not Rush Limbaugh.
1: Rush Limbaugh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's the that's the that's the one. Um, yeah. So I'm just, so yeah. So I'm just wondering a how that's kind of shifted over time, and also how that's kind how that kind of fits in with this existing with this existing ecosystem, um, and also whether it's sort of become the case that the American evangelical movement is now sort of inseparable from the conservative one, or whether there is still a kind of progressive strain in evangel- evangelism like there used to be.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, there are absolutely, to, to answer the question sort of, I guess, in, in reverse order, there absolutely is still a progressive strain in evangelical Christianity. It still exists. It's just that that piece of the movement doesn't really get media exposure, by and large, uh, because the media apparatus doesn't exist for it in the same way, right? Um, the media apparatus that does exist really has a, a I, guess, I guess I'd guess i say a, a, a couple components. You mentioned radio, and radio is obviously has been huge, continues to be huge. Um, there are, I don't even know how many. I'd need to get the numbers. I'd need to do some research. But like one of the biggest things that has kept the thing going is radio because there are all of these independently owned and operated or corporately owned and operated Christian radio stations. Mm. And in many markets, Christian, the Christian radio station. So like in my hometown, for instance, where I grew up, um, the Christian radio station, the local FM station has the highest listenership of any radio station in that market. Mm. Um, It even outdoes the local, you know, country western format station, um, which is not uncommon because, again, it's not about capturing the most people outright. It's about capturing the largest portion of the market that still exists. Mm. And people who are going to be out there listening to radio day after day are going to be a different kind of person uh, than your average person, you know? Um, So in terms of what radio distribution looks like, a lot of it is through syndication. You've got uh, different radio shows, Focus on the Family, again, being another very good example of this. The show Focus on the Family started by a guy named James Dobson, another classic guy would recommend looking him up. He made his bones and uh, sort of got his fame by doing the last interview with Ted Bundy before he was executed, um, which is. Yeah, no. It's have you seen that tape? It's wild. No, I,
1: th- I, I haven't like, seen it. No. Honestly, like I think in like in terms of kind of like a, like a kind of intersection of things that I just have no interest in seeing. I think that yeah, I think that mm-hmm. like that's probably like a confluence of all of my nah, not going to watch that one. Yeah. One wild and precious life, not going to spend it watching that.
2: <laughs> no, and that's good. I mean, you've you've made better choices in your life than I have. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, so James Dobson did he was able to secure the final interview with ted bundy they taped it um and bundy played this fucking guy like a fiddle right because Mm. uh because you know noted sicko ted bundy not not a good guy in case you weren't (laughs) aware um pretty much did his research on who dobson was Mm. found out that he was a social conservative who chalked up most of the ills in the world to like pornography and the dissolution of the traditional nuclear family Mm -hmm. and so came into that interview uh being like well you know i just uh it was i was so young when i saw that first magazine and you know it just got its tendrils in me and i I was just a normal just normal son a normal kid i you know and your sons could just be normal guys like me it's it's an incredible performance to watch and you know if you're into sickos i would recommend if you're not I've pretty much summed up the whole thing for you, but he was able to take that and take the, um, take the audience that he developed off of the publication of his books, uh, which again, going back to other parallel media channels, this gigantic Christian book publishing empire that they were able to develop gave Dobson a national audience. And so people would listen to his fucking show, which was syndicated across thousands of radio stations nationally People would read his horrible goddamn books about how you ought to beat the shit out of your child, um, you know, for the Lord, obviously. Of course. And uh, all of those things then would just continue to raise his profile, which made him the kingmaker going into uh, the 2000 elections. And it was uh, or it was in, in no small part due to the influence that he had managed to amass and, you know, thrown his weight behind George W. Bush that we got that outcome mm. that year. So yeah, fun stuff.
1: I have another question mm. before I'm, before I'm going to let, um, before I let Hussein answer his, cause I can, I can see him, see him champing, champing at the bit. <laughs> um, would you think of, um, a, like kind of Jack Chick tracks as being kind of part of this system? Or is that like more fringe?
2: Mm, not really. I mean, Chick tracks are fun, obviously. of um, course, we love them. Uh, but the point of chick tracks was, I mean from a from a business perspective that it was something that you could sell to churches obviously and and, and evangelical groups and make a fair bit of coin doing that. And the target audience for chick tracks was not the already converted. And sure. this is a you know it's trying to get people in the fold. And this is a really important point actually, that the most powerful, Uh, forces in evangelical christianity have always been people who are already working within the fold of people who are in it have been in it and are going to keep being in it Mm -hmm. right they will always make rhetorical moves toward the idea of Oh you ought to believe in in Jesus or whatever the fuck, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz you got to you got to be closed and you always got to be closing. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you're not going to be able to develop a lucrative base of operations from people who have just converted to your religion. That's not how mm-hmm. this shit works, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe the people who are like super dogmatic and into it, there's a lane there, but by and large, in order to really have that consistent flow of money, as well as people who are really willing to get out there and, you know, l- listen to your stuff, buy your product, um, and and evangelize on behalf of your organization. These have to be people who fully believe in the structure, yeah. and have largely grown up believing in you it.
1: Need the d- you need the you need the downline, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, and the heads, right? It's yeah. it's you target the heads, yeah. Okay. These are organizations. The organizations I'm interested in are less the jack chick like getting people in guys and they're the ones that are more for the heads yeah um i'm sort of i'm sort of like a a, a, it's like techno right um this is really the berghine of uh of evangelical christianity Mm
1: -hmm. sure okay (laughs) you know what like that that makes that makes sense to me (laughs)
0: Can you can you explain that in melancholy indie rock terms? No, I'm joking. I I I I completely I completely <laughs> I mean, get I it. Could. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, one th- I, I was also gonna ask, because actually on that point and something that kind of it actually might be a good segue in a second to like go on to the more sort of contemporary sort of expressions of this. But you were sort of like in terms of structure, obviously mm-hmm. one of the things that is often associated with these types of evangelical movements, um, you know, in in terms of like the finances and stuff is also kind of the ways in which they sort of financially sustain themselves, the attachment to like certain I don't know if we can call it uh, certain uh, uh, triangular schemes, uh, for lack of a better term, Yeah. Um, but Mm -hmm. like how they're often like associated with these types of groups. I wondered whether you could talk to us a little bit because that also seems like quite and I'm not saying that it's exclusively kind of situated in the States, but it does feel like quite an American phenomenon. When it comes to sort of like the ways in which this type of evangelical language um, is both sustained by, but also informs a kind of language around uh, like these types of exploitative, like financial schemes.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I so I grew up as I was, as I'd mentioned before, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Right. Um, It's not a coincidence that Grand Rapids, Michigan is where Amway was founded. Right. Right. That's interesting. Um, That's really interesting. And uh, if you're not familiar with Amway, it's probably the world's largest multi-level marketing company. Um, the DeVos family, our famed uh, previous education secretary Betsy DeVos, married into the fortune uh, that you know was was the result of, of the founding of Amway. And I think the reason that you get that is the focus on the traditional Protestant work ethic, right? It's this idea of you work hard, you do well, and God will flourish his many bounteous blessings upon you or whatever the fuck. Right. Um, and. It's about using language that is most that, that you're already primed to hear, I guess, if, you, if you're already in this world, because mm-hmm. if you're in this world, you are used to hearing things like, uh, for instance, and if, if I were a little bit more caffeinated. I could even fucking quote you chapter and verse from the Bible in terms of what they use for this shit. But like this idea of. Because God is on your side now that you're a Christian, now that you're a Christian, even though all of these people obviously grew up, you know, cradle to the grave will die uh, with the exact same ideology they grew up with. Um, God will facilitate more blessings for you in life, but you got to go out there and get it right. hmm. Um, And so that means that you do become very susceptible to things like pyramid schemes because so much of demonstrating your value is by going out there and showing other people what you are able to do and you demonstrate that aptitude through conversion. Mm. And whether we're talking about conversion to the faith itself, in which case you don't really get a actual downline obviously you're not getting a cut of the tithing as amazing as that would be um whether you're talking about that or you're talking about going out there and being part of a a, a business and getting a a downline of people who are interested in buying into your product i think the impulse is the same right Mm. And, and, and that impulse once again is well i can make my world better uh my world has been changed for the better by my, my Lord and savior. Uh, it is thanks to the Lord, my Lord and savior's bounteous blessing that I too mm. can be, can, can be, uh, can live the great American lifestyle that I'm living. I can go get the 128, 28 uh, ounce mug of coffee at the common go. <laughs> um, right like that that's all it is and and so it's it's really quite easy to see how that translates over into this sort of dogmatic uh capitalist way of viewing the world mm.
1: extremely it in in 2010 voice and isn't religion the greatest pyramid scheme of them all mm. oh yeah there we go. she's back. 50 million upvotes whatever it is they do on reddit um, i don't know i don't even know i'm too cool to know um i've had sex too many times to know what it is they're doing on reddit um yeah ha- 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 you-, you get the little what the little coins is that right
0: i think you that... get some coins is that what get that? Little, like emojis or something like
1: oh thank you
2: for the reddit gold kind stranger yeah, yeah
1: i think you get a little i think you get little coins um I don't want to get too bogged down in this. I'm just like this is honestly just like a kind of throwaway question that I'm just quite interested in, um, and this is like this is like based on what I knew about like not like even like evangelism as a kind of movement in America, but kind of where it where it dovetails with um, American conservatism. And this is kind of in the sort of sort of early to late early to late aughts. Is uh, one of, one of the things that I thought was like sort of quite interesting was what made it into the mainstream as being the kind of the as being the kind of the biggest like political commitments of um of evangelical conservatives and how that kind of effectively functioned as this kind of quite effective um sort of red herring and smoke screen for what was for what was really being done in kind of in terms in terms of um, exercising uh, exercising influence and the one that that always sticks with me is that there was this um there was this real conviction uh, in the now um sort of quite dif- like defunct and discredited I think sort of sadly actually sort of skeptic movement not just here but kind of worldwide as well because it's basically just got taken over by people who just hate Muslims which I think is uh, not great. I think that's suboptimal, personally, um, but there were but there were some kind of I think legitimate criticisms that sort of came, that sort of came out of um, trying to look at kind of outsized influence of of um, of religions on on kind of the operations of the state and the thing that got, yeah like
2: the Sam Harris thing you mean yeah like that, yeah that ex- whole, yeah exactly no.
1: and then like and then and then you're just like okay this is interesting let let's hear more and then. <laughs> and then it's like, actually, no, let's not hear more. No, no, I wish no. I hadn't
2: clicked the read St- yeah, more stop button. Trying, actually, stop,
1: stop trying to help. You're making it worse. You're making it so much worse. Yeah. Um. But the but the big one that we've got that got people over here in like, really kind of hit up was this idea that they were going to start teaching creationism in schools um, oh yeah that was like that was like the big one that was the kind of the see look what's going on they're going to teach kids that dinosaurs aren't real they're going to teach creationism as a kind of legitimate teach the alternative thing and this is what got got kind of really really under the skin of um, of, um, of of humanists of um, of atheists of and and of and of people who were quite who were interested in the kind of in the separation of church Mm -hmm. and state um and then what wasn't sort of known until sort of quite a lot later that that was that even within this movement was real just like insane fringe nonsense and like meanwhile what they were doing is getting the um getting the obama administration to functionally like dismantle abortion rights in order to kind of push Obamacare over the line. And I know that's a very crude way of describing it, but like, um, but that was like, I thought, I thought a really interesting kind of, cause I got, I got completely pulled into this kind of hole <gasps> and you know what, mm. they're go- you know what they're going to start doing. They're going to start teaching kids that dinosaurs aren't real. Um, and at no point was I a bit like, I don't really remember how much like actual kind of scientific prehistory discussion there really was when I was at primary school. I don't think there was that much. I think they just said, "Oh yeah, there are dinosaurs." Uh, chill. Um, I don't think. I don't think like I don't think we were going kind of going into any kind of particular detail back in my day.
0: About back it. in my day, we didn't politicize the dinosaurs. Now,
1: well, now the, dinos- the dinosaurs. Well, now that now the dinosaurs are Have you seen this? That's this right? Movie? Have you seen? No. Have you seen? Genuinely seen? Like, like honestly, like. I think that there is something quite funny about the fact that everyone who works in the tabloid media um, in this country have all been to kind of a fair sort of monoculture of schools and universities and quite a lot of them have paid an enormous amount of money um, to do the city journalism course and now they are being obliged for their jobs to write things about how... uh, about how this new documentary about dinosaurs which says that T-Rex probably had feathers or something um is like the woke T-Rex and that's just quite funny that's just quite a funny um quite funny humiliation to impose on these people because mm. imagine like writing that and being like yeah this is not the Woodward and Bernstein um future I imagined for myself when I said I was going to be a journalist um, yeah, so um, so that so, yeah, like I said, that's a very it's a very crude way of of describing what happened with the uh, with the creationism in schools, which was sort of, which was sort of like functioned as a kind of smokescreen um for some far more serious, um, yeah, uh, f- far more serious groundwork for um for the situation we're kind of sort of the disastrous situation we're seeing now. And I wonder how these kind of abstracted communities um played into that or whether they didn't have as much of a role as we would as we would think because it was a lot of blogs i, I remember there was lots right. of like lots of like evangelical blogs doing the rounds
2: yeah well in, in there's different groups within the movement too right mm. like in different different components of the movement have their own little thing that's their biggest concern right um Abortion was always the biggest thing. And, you know, now in the United States, the dog has caught the car and they're honestly not sure what to do about it. Um, That's the thing about, you know, effective uh, mobilization. And the Democrats understand this all too well, that if you just don't fucking do anything, but you keep the rhetorical message of, oh, boy, they're coming for you. We're the only ones who can protect you. That that's that's an effective way to get people to come out and vote for your thing. But the problem is, once you actually do something, uh, then you might run the risk of blowback or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, you know, conservatives, uh, evangelical conservatives have, have wanted things like, for instance, uh, teaching creationism in schools mm-hmm. and uh, allowing for teacher led prayer in schools Uh, And, of course, the the, the outlawing of elective abortion on demand. And they're now in this place, I think, where they've come to begin to assess, well, this is what we want. Mm. This is the desired outcome. But is getting it right now in the public frame for everyone the way? Mm. Or have we overstepped a little bit? And do we maybe want to... You know, keep the rhetorical pressure up for the people who support our movement, but sort of soft pedal some of the action um, on a public policy front mm. because they're very concerned and they're very canny about like picking which issues can be winners and they miscalibrate a lot. I mean, the, the current fucking freak show that's going on with uh, anti-trans legislation mm. and, and, and all of that is not it's not a winner. It's not going to be a winner. They're just so high on their own supply that they've convinced themselves that like uh, going after sixteen-year-olds is is a good way to win mm. friends and influence people. Um, and It might work out for them in the short term, but in the long term, it's not. And that is strictly talking about an electoral perspective on a mm. fucking you know uh, actual individual impact on people perspective. It's it's fucking horrifying. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it, it's just <sighs> these fucking people can't s- literally. The, I think the thing that I just would like people to take away from this, if they're not familiar with sort of what this mindset looks like, you have to understand that they truly do not understand what the world looks like outside their bubble. They have no frame of reference for it, truly. Some people think it's like, oh, they're operating so cannily and they, you know, they, they, they're looking at all of their, they've done a SWOT analysis and they understand like exactly what to do and how to do it no the reality is most of them are just fucking dumb venal assholes Mm. who only see the world from the perspective of being under siege because it's what they've heard from all of these fucking people who have been pressing it into them day in and day out and so that's the only way that they can see the world and that's the only way that they can do politics Mm. which paradoxically actually makes them a lot weaker than a lot of people think they are because they're Worldview and their structure is so inane that it will crumble mm. under actual pressure, but they've established and, and 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 you know propagated this incredibly powerful core structure of lobbying politics and direct action mobilization that makes it harder to go for that uh, yeah. Achilles heel. Yeah. But it, it's there if you look for it. That's re- yeah. that's
1: that's really interesting and really helpful, I think, because um, I certainly. Um, you myself sort of going sort of when I was sort of observing at the midterms if from you know from, very much from a kind of outsider's perspective, um, how if you were only if you were only kind of following um, following things through the through the posts, um, then you would definitely think that all of this kind of terrible like this terrible legisl- legislation and all of these and all of these kind of horrific anti like anti trans politicians who had made. Who had made transphobia their kind of their 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 single policy position? Um, you would absolutely think this is you know this is a kind of this is what's going to happen now. This is what this is what like even kind of um, the kind of sanitized face of kind of electoral politics is is just going to be from now on.
2: Well, and um, some of it is going to happen in the short of, term, of course. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, no, no, I don't. But, but in the longer term, you know, the only reason that we get that illusion is that they're really fucking good at posting.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah and, I, and and I think it is I think it is important like for particularly if you uh spend a lot of time thinking about how um, how posting kind of intersects with kind of these with these material realities like we do um it's really important and useful and good to see the to see where um where things do occasionally kind of correct themselves and where people whose whose sole political commitment is to be monstrous to trans people um is you know like they like for, for like the kind of the average kind of regular person these people you know these people can eat shit because they're just like why are you are you, are you, are you kidding are you kidding me we don't have healthcare. like what no 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 this right. is this is not this is this is so even if i like even if i as a voter personally have some gross opinions about trans people the idea that this is any kind of priority is insane.
0: Yeah,
2: well, and, and too, like, if I'm a parent, not I, um, obviously, that
1: I a a, a a hypothetical voter to be clear. Yeah,
2: if if hypothetical, if if uh, the hypothetical I am a parent in fucking Louisiana or whatever, um, odds are good that my that that I know a trans kid, right? At this point, even I mean, maybe maybe if I'm in like the fucking uh, horrible like outer boonies of the boonies, you know, I don't, but. Odds are decent, given where the culture is at right now, that I know at least one trans kid Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. my kid is probably friends with that kid or my kid is that kid. Mm -hmm. And it's the vast majority of people want what's best for their kids and are going to come to a place eventually of accepting, loving and affirming their kids. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. Depends on what their ideology is. Obviously, you get some truly horrifying shit like that. Goddamn the the, the people who you know go to Barry Weiss and are like, "But Mike, only oh, we're trying to trans my child." But that's not most parents, even most Christian parents, genuinely. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose in the long term. It's just a question of how many kids they manage to kill along the way. Mm.
0: I'm conscious about the time. So I thought we could use the last sort of section uh, of yeah. this episode to talk about the posts that you sent. Yes, um, yes, the yes, yes. That I wanted to go, although we had like a much more productive conversation after was very much about, I guess, the question that I was trying to ask myself when I was looking at these videos is where these TikToks and like these bits of content is like how they sort of yeah, how, whether they are sort of like extensions of this already kind of like evangelical posting apparatus or whether we're sort of like looking at something new um before we sort right. of get into those questions um i wanted to ask uh both of you what your kind of like well you know maybe not favorite posts but like this this what what i i guess phoebe to start off with you um mainly because i want to hear you say the line uh that you were you mentioned before we started recording what was your okay. favorite uh post that josh sent us and maybe i should also just mention for context you know what i
2: did for this episode was i went through even i spun up a new tiktok account because these are pages that these are uh, posts that come across my feed every once in a blue moon. But I was like, no, I want to get in that shit in the way that TikTok works. Of course, you create a new account, you like and follow a couple creators. And now your feed is nothing but Christian inspiration. Mm. So,
1: OK, so the t- so the TikTok that um, that Josh sent over that really that I really enjoyed and I, that i found particularly exciting um and it's just such a shame because it has no audio so so i'm just gonna have to describe it <laughs> uh, <laughs> i am just gonna have yeah, to it's describe just music
2: it. pretty much it's right pre-
1: yeah it's just it's just music but i'm gonna read out i'm gonna read out the text um i'm not gonna say the name of the tiktok user um because you know i'm sure he i'm sure like if god wants you to find his tiktoks then he will guide them to, he will guide you to them
0: so yeah the lord will impress lord, a spirit of the, discovery yeah, on your yeah, heart exactly that is what the, one of them says one of them literally does say that the, like, the, <laughs> the,
1: the lord will intervene in the algorithm and will show you what what you need what you need to see for your own spiritual health and growth um okay so we've got we've got a, we've got a young man um sorry i'm just uh, muting it because the music is extremely loud um and it says, Sire, how did you get so much stronger?" And he's like, "He's, he's on a, he's on like a machine. He's in the gym. Um, he's got now." I described this as a girly barbell. Um, I stand by this. I don't think there's anything wrong with things being girly. But if you've got the wavy bar, so that's a that's a girly barbell. It's a girly barbell.
2: Hi, it's Devon, the editor. Um, I know we have a lot of impressionable young listeners, and as the podcast's resident meathead, I just want to say, the easy curl bar makes it so that your wrists are in a more comfortable position to do curls with. It's not gay. It's good for your wrists. Remember, bro science is very advanced these days. Use the easy curl bar if you want to do barbell curls. You can't get massive if you injure yourself on like day three of going to the gym. All right, back to you, Phoebe.
1: I I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. My my
2: guy's out here doing some light toning. Yeah. It's it's not a big (laughs) deal.
1: He's got the little pink weights. He's doing Pilates. He's like, he's looking after himself. Okay. Yeah. To Jesus Christ, that's it. (laughs) That's it. That's it. So he, so as far as I can tell, he is indicating that, yeah, it's true. He is in the gym. Um, like working on his glute medius for a kickoff because you know he wants to he wants the nice the nice the nice peachy booty, um, right. but he gets stronger because Jesus made him stronger. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm. Amen.
1: Amen. 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 Nice and to simple. that. Nice um, and simple.
0: Mine is also a gym related. Uh, one, although there were like a few others and I feel like they would be more suited for a part two. So my, my one of this one would be, uh, there's a woman in the gym and she's working out. Yeah. And she's talking about how, uh, there are some days when you go to the gym and, um, nothing really works for you. Like all your pre-workouts don't work out. You're just like coming in tired. And her solution to this is to forego listening to music at the gym and to instead listen to religious content. Uh, I think right. in the case that she says it is a Bible verse or some sort of like uh, religious like hymn or so. I mean, I don't even know if she has hymn. I think it's just like kind of... And I think that the, the one of the... Actually, one of the general things I found really interesting just watching a lot of this content was the type of music that is used. I think the yes. music used in this yes. type of content is like super interesting. I'd love to like hear your thoughts on this because it's kind of like the music that I think is used in this TikTok as well as some of the others, are not kind of like I wouldn't necessarily classify them as like religious songs, but this they seem to be more like they seem to be more like Christian like anime music. I think that's the best mm-hmm. way to describe it. Like it's designed to sort of like hype you up, right? And it's designed to sort of like make you feel um like you're a sort of like in an epic film or something. Um, yeah, but again Th- this it's sort is... of yeah
2: this is all, you know, coming off of something called the Hillsong, the Hillsong movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not familiar with them, they're an evangelical uh, Australian megachurch. It's the kind of sicko behavior you can only get from down under. Mm-hmm. And um, th- over the course of the 2000s and especially the 2010s, Hillsong really became like the biggest brand in uh, evangelical pop culture. And they did that by basically they create new, uh, worship songs. Uh, they record them. They make a fuckload of money off of these recordings and they make a fuckload of money by licensing these songs to churches so that praise groups at these churches can sing the songs. So it's not necessarily Hillsong music, like actual Hillsong music that's playing over these TikToks, but it's the aesthetic. Mm. And, uh, if 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 you you uh, want to stitch into that a clip of a Hillsong song, and then play like the song that's over one of these TikToks, you'll pretty quickly see what I'm talking about. There, we can also go deep into Hillsong in part two because oh boy, you want to talk about I some would, guys? I
1: would love, I would love that. Just um, from, like yeah. reading the stuff you sent about Hillsong, I was just like, yeah, yeah,
2: yes, um,
1: Australian mega church, yes, yes, yes.
2: <laughs> You'd love to see it. Um, but the bottom line here is that there's this very specific like it, inspirational thing. It's all ascending chords. Uh, there's a big sing off at the end all the time. Mm. Um, it's it, it's like if trance music didn't have a backbeat kind of <laughs> um, basically aesthetic. Um, and so. That is why you hear too these swelling chords and uh, yeah stuff like that under these videos. Is that that's the thing that they've been primed to find emotional and that they associate with big spiritual uh, feelings and and in a sense of change and a sense of transformation. Yeah. Mm.
0: I've seen this kind of content quite a lot on my sort of feeds, like my Instagram feeds and all this stuff. And again, it's really weird because I don't feel—I feel like I don't really search for those things. But I think it began when um, I somehow fell into a rabbit hole of like kind of uh, Instagram girls doing Bible study and uh-huh. kind of like all mm-hmm. studying Bibles. Don't ask how I Look, got this there. Is, That's like to- this is That's-
1: not. This is not the space for fetish chat
0: it's leave not no, oh okay leave, okay. That, that, leave, leave, that, leave that, that for the, the
1: patrons out. i think that's <laughs> right
0: that's right so it was, you know short story Doll's was that doing it was
1: bible study come on man <laughs> <laughs> no but they, they
0: show the pictures of the bible and it's kind of like they sort of do you know it's kind of like there's a lot of stuff that's taken out of like book talk for example there's a lot of stuff yep. that's taken out mm-hmm. of um kind of wellness uh types of spaces it sort of feels like what this type of content does like whether it's gym content whether it's sort of like um self-optimization content is like to kind of they're, they're taking stuff that's already kind of like quite popular and proliferating on social mm. and kind of adding um or, or sort of applying certain like religious aesthetics to it or yeah. even like the reverse right like they're sort of um taking they're using kind of things that are already popular online and remixing yeah. them or, i think it's more like um, that i think aesthetics. sure
1: like surely it's that um is that platforms develop Um, develop aesthetic Mm. norms and aesthetic conventions and then people kind of slot whatever their kind of special interest is. uh,
0: I guess like the broader question I was going to ask you Josh was like whether um, like how you feel like this type of content like does it sort of indicate a change in the way that um, yeah in the way that like religious expression is kind of being conducted uh, because I guess like some of the other videos you send uh, you, you sent were like just people kind of going on TikTok and basically giving sermons. Right. And so right. it's kind of like almost taking like old kind of aesthetic material and applying them. So like one of the the funnier ones that I saw, but one that I think is quite telling is um there's a TikTok where a woman is kind of like, you know, stop right there. God guided me. God guided uh you to hear this and like, you know, I just want to pray for you and all those types of things. Right. And like that to me The one that's where really she starts yelling about yeah. uh how the demons and snakes your bedroom
2: needs to be clear of demons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah um which is good because I mean ever since yeah, i watched fair. that tiktok my bedroom has no demons it. yeah exa- I mean, so,
1: like, exactly so i'm doing
0: great just saying what jordan peterson's been saying the whole time um right like yeah it's kind of so it feels like there's kind of like two things kind of you know sort of going on and on the one hand you have this like almost very sanitized somewhat clinical version of um like uh of promoting evangelical christianity and one that is very much like tied into uh the idea that like you know you can sort of like optimize and self-improve using like you know these types of like religious uh this type of like uh these religious aesthetics these kind of like religious techniques um but almost framed in a kind of nearly secular way and then on the other side and maybe as you go further down the rabbit hole there are kind of there's various content that is much less to do with just like here is how you can kind of Optimize your existing life around Mm -hmm. religious Mm -hmm. principles and more towards like the idea that you know no, what you need is salvation and you can only achieve salvation through um, Yeah, through like sort of like being kind of preached to right and yeah I I guess I wondered like with those two bits of content How does this sort of like how does this illustrate a change in the way that say young evangelicals are using social media to post?
2: Yeah, so I mean the Format itself is a change, obviously, but other than that, it's strikingly similar to how the the sort of evangelical media economy has always worked, right? Where it's all about taking the thing that exists and sort of creating a parallel version of it that is aesthetically very similar, uh, hits all of the sort of same points but is stripped of everything that is quote unquote, like worldly or of the flesh, which is a, Mm. which is a common term in evangelical circles. It's this idea that, you know, there's the realm of the sacred and the realm of the secular, um, in that the best way to keep oneself sort of pure and on the right track is by avoiding exposure to things that might lead to, you know, temptation or going off the right path. Um, I, 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 Took a couple notes on uh, comments that were left on some of these TikToks. And I think they're actually pretty illustrative of like what people take away from this, because Mm -hmm. you got to keep in mind that like on TikTok, obviously, the vast majority of your users are going to be adolescents and they're searching for meaning. They're searching for a reason to keep going. They're searching for a way out of what is one of the worst times to ever be alive in some ways. Um in and especially I think to be an adolescent. You know, they've seen the atomization of social life, um, and in many ways just feel so isolated. And so they 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 see one of these videos where, you know, it's a it's it's some some girl holding up a a Bible and reading from it in the style of a of a book talk. Um and and will leave a comment saying something like Um, God is so kind hearted. I always thought I deserved my sadness, but the fact he's trying to reward me for going through something bad is so nice. Crying emoji. Um, Mm -hmm. or uh, there's like another video, right? Of talking about how like, you know, the, oh, the flesh wants you to sin, but stay with God. And the comment says, um, it's so weird. My flesh telling me to skip, but my mind is so engaged and wants to listen. Um. Another one, uh, some person posting a video of like reasons to stay away from temptation. And the comment is immediately after going back to a bad sin that I keep going back to within seconds, I see this, which proves that God is working to help us stop signing. S-I-N-I-N-G. It's supposed to be sinning, obviously, but it's very important to read the quote <laughs> verbatim. So, of course, it's very normal teenage shit Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. this is super fucking normal um and i think in many cases it is also fellow adolescents trying to make sense of the world
1: Mm.
2: what's weird of course is that with social media you can build a platform and grow a following overnight and so as has always been the case with evangelicalism there's this question of well how much of it is for the sake of faith and how much of it is for you. Mm. Um, and the answer is unclear at best. Mm.
1: I have one, I have one last question and then, um, and then I think we should wrap up and, yeah. um, and look forward to uh, part two of this episode, which I'm already excited about. Um, yeah. is there any, is there any sense? Cause like, uh, cause I'm so interested in how, like how similar this stuff is to like, kind of new age tiktoks as well mm-hmm. like it's really really close to this kind of um like i've been trying to, i've been trying to manifest and then this video comes up on my feed that shows that the universe is working for me it's like it's the same it's the same language it's the same framing right um is there a sense amongst um amongst kind of young evangelicals kind of posting on this sort of stuff that it is their kind of duty to attempt to like manipulate the algorithm as much as possible so as many people
2: as possible see this stuff I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, I don't and because I'm not obviously in it now, mm. so I, I can't say that I've spoken with any of these people firsthand to really get their sense of like how they see it mm. exactly in their own words. But going back to the earlier conversation about, you know, multi-level marketing and getting the message out to as many people as possible, obviously you're going to want yeah. to do that. Right. That's that's just in the evangelical character. Mm. Um You go and you look at a lot of these videos and it's very much comments like, you know, signal boosting this. More people need to see this praying hands emoji shit like that. Yeah, Um, because it's it's a it's a message that these people matters a lot. And I I guess I, I just wanted to also say, you know, at this point in my life, I find a lot of this stuff pretty trite and silly, but I also still have a great deal of empathy for the folks who do find it to be meaningful. You know, if something matters to them, that's that, then it matters to them. And I'm, I'm not here to like poo poo that or be like, ha ha, you dumb idiot. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it, but at the same time, I wish that more people could have sort of a sense of better media literacy and understand what is actually being said and how this information is being received. And that is, kind of why we do our podcast as well, right? Is, you know, we like to go out there and review different pieces of media, look at the messages that are actually being said, mm. and uh unpack that together and see, you know, what what what's happening. Mm. So
0: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably like a good place to end it for now. Although obviously we have a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about in part two, especially like all the kind of contextual bits. I really want to like learn a lot about Hillsong and the Australian connection. Uh so stay tuned for that. Um, sickos every single yeah. one of them i i'm very I, I, I we needed some australian like lore in our show and i feel like this is the, the best uh this 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 is our way in so i'm very excited about it um but in the meantime i know that you just talked about your podcast josh uh if people do want to like listen to it or follow you or follow the stuff you're doing how can they do that well they
2: can simply go to www.worstpossible.world uh or search search for the worst of all possible worlds in your favorite podcast platform uh, either way, you should find us pretty quickly. If you're particularly interested in the evangelical stuff, uh, we have a subseries called Wits Endless Summer, where we review episodes of Adventures in Odyssey, which is a children's radio drama by Focus on the Family. Nate Bethea is coming on a couple times to
0: listen to some episodes of that Cursed show. So uh, I might start there. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and if you find it, it is—it uh, it is like uh, divine intervention. Uh, so do That's be right. thankful. That's right. <laughs> finding finding the Lord will guide you in our direction. That's right. Uh, But, you know, check that out. Uh, It's really good stuff. Uh, I've listened to a few episodes and I'm going to listen to some more uh, pretty soon. Um, And uh, this was a free episode. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, We have lots of good bonus content on our Patreon, five bucks a month. Uh, We have lots of cool interviews, uh, film reviews, TV show reviews. Like, yeah, just like really fun stuff. And also... Uh, subscribing means that we can do this show without ads and we can also maintain editorial independence both of which we are very uh we value very highly and we are very grateful for um you know where to follow me at least uh until the site breaks down phoebe do you wanna uh do your plugs
1: sure um well uh, Josh is going to be joining me and Milo on the Seinfeld podcast in the next few weeks so you get to hear some more yeah. of get to hear some more of Josh um in the meantime um subscribe to my Substack uh link will be below um have a listen to Romecast link will, links will also be below which is the 12 part series on HBO's Rome that I recorded with Patrick Wyman and Milo last year um and other yeah i think that's i think that's that's it.
0: A lot of Phoebe stuff. Yeah, um, I'm trying
1: to kind of, sort of, slowly, kind of populate every single, every single kind of non-video content vertical. Uh, you ca- you do have my word um, that I will never make a front-facing TikTok. And if you see a front-facing TikTok, then that means that I have been um, kidnapped and replaced with a similar <laughs> copy. Um, potentially by the Illuminati. And I would like you to alert the authorities if you see that
0: happen. <laughs> Uh, I, I was going to say that. Well, we have like moved on from you're not I'm, you're not you're never going to catch me on TikTok. To you're never going to catch me doing a front face video on TikTok, which does show. So it's, it's a hard time for content creators like, out there. we to do- I've got
1: I've got a secret TikTok, which is just frogs. It's just frogs and toads <laughs> that I see on walks, <laughs> and that's fine. Um, that is an acceptable use of TikTok. Yeah.
0: You know what? Just 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 I, I that's actually a real thing for me because I think when we did we had Alex Patak on like ages ago, like, and he remember when he showed us the ant video and tiktok mm, yes i do and and since then my tiktok feed because i don't use it that often my tiktok feed is just filled with like and and insect videos so thank you alex patak i guess uh <laughs> yeah you'll see my insect TikToks literally at some the point opposite when...
1: of where god would take you on the on the algorithm i think well, yeah, you know, yeah uh, maybe i don't now. know maybe i don't know for maybe m- maybe jesus does want to, you to see bugs this, cool show is produced by
0: <laughs> this show is produced by devon follow them at devon underscore on earth listen to kill james bond if you don't do that already um i think that's it from us so until next time we'll catch you later bye Farewell. bye, bye.